series. Woo! That's good stuff. This is the last one. If you can turn me down, I feel like I'm going to wail a little bit. Help me out. If you have your Bibles, I want you to open them up to Ephesians chapter number 6, verse number 10 through 18. When you have it, say amen. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 18. Finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that you Uh, So that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, which, which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Let's pray. Father, I again thank you for the day. This is the day that you made, and Lord, we celebrate you. We bless you. We magnify your name. God, you are already here as a good, good father. And we are experiencing your love. God, I pray that you would just pour out a spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge of him. God, that you would open up the book, that you would speak to us. God, I pray that you would anoint my tongue, that you would anoint our ears, that you would open our hearts. And God, I do pray that you would do only what you can do, that today you will give sight to the blind, you cause the deaf to hear, the mute to sing, the lame to dance, that you would raise the dead. We pray this in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Amen. You know, this morning, we're going to close out this series, Ephesians, he is, I am, So what? And I want to close out with this message. It's entitled, Battle Ready, Empowered to Win. That we ought to be battle ready, and we need to know that we are empowered to win. So a few years ago, when we were leading uh, the church we were pastoring, Big Life Church, we had an, an everyday declaration It was kind of our confession, and it would begin like this. I belong to God, the great I am. He is my Father, and I live by His voice. His love is great toward me. And it would continue on with confessing our identity and confessions of blessing. We would say it every Sunday. In fact, my wife, Shanae, she would say it every day because we didn't want to lose focus on who we were connected to. Who he is has impact on us. 
And as we close out this Ephesians study today, I want us to remember Doug's words as he opened up this series. He says, he said, all our behaviors and all our responses are grounded and shaped by what we believe about God. All our behaviors and all our responses are grounded and shaped by what we believe about God. See, our lives, they are a reflection of what we believe about God and what we imagine about ourselves. Traveling through Ephesians, we discovered uh, who God is, and we discovered and we are discovering who we are in Christ. Now, listen, this is important to spiritual growth. Because who we are should be a reflection of who he is. See, it's the Genesis conversation, Genesis 1, when God says, let us make men in our image after our likeness. We should look like God. I know that's a startling and almost like, are you kidding me? But we were made to reflect his glory. We were made to reflect the beauty, the brilliance, the boldness, and the love of God. In fact, Paul said it another way in Romans chapter 8, verse 29. He says that those he predestined, he also, or those he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. So God has a destiny for you, and that destiny is that you look like Jesus. Amen. Our identity is in Christ. And every day by God's grace and the influence of his spirit, we are being shaped into the image of Christ. And this is precisely what Paul has in mind when he's closing out this letter. In fact, he's been building this case throughout the letter, and he's coming to this climactic moment. And so we should pay close attention. He's reiterating some ideas that he has already discussed, but... This time, it's kind of like the game time speech. You know, the coach, when he's trying to talk to his team, he has a game time speech. And sometimes they're in a lull, and he, at halftime, he's like, hey, wake up, wake up, wake up. Let me remind you of how great you are. Let me remind you of who you are connected to. And so Paul, he's trying to motivate us so that we can live the Christ way in the midst of evil influence. See, Paul understands that our redemption is already. We've been redeemed, but not quite yet. Some of it has to be fleshed out. Paul understands that Christ has triumphed over the enemy, and we are victorious. It's already, but we have to walk that out. It's not quite yet. See, there is still a waged war against us. But we wage not in fear, we wage in trust, knowing that Christ is above all rule, authority and power and dominion above every name that is named in this age and to the age to come. And because we are seated with him, we too are seated above all rule, all authority, and all power and dominion. It's kind of funny, it's much like God's charge to Joshua as they were getting ready to go into their land of promise. God says, only be strong and courageous. Now he told them, listen, I know you're going to face some giants, but don't let your giants determine who you are. See, in Numbers chapter 13, when 
uh, 40 years prior, the children of Israel went to the land of promise and, and God sent 12 spies in there. Y'all remember the story, right? And they go in and they check out the land and they come out and they say, God was right. That is a land that flows with milk and honey. And they, had, they brought back some of the grapes and it took two men to carry them. That's some grapes, y'all. And they said he was right. But then 10 of the spies said, but you know what? We are like grasshoppers in their eyes. And so we are grasshoppers in our eyes. In other words, they determined their identity based on their enemy. And Paul wants to make sure that we don't determine our identity by our enemy or our hardships. And so as God said to Joshua, go possess the land that I'm giving you, and I know you're going to face some giants. Don't worry about it. I'm giving you the land. Go possess it. In the same way, we are victorious in the midst of opposition. See, see the thing is, if we are unsure, unsure of who we belong to, and who we are, the enemy will deceive us and we will fall short of the promise God has for us. See, one of my favorite Bible stories is about King David. Y'all know King David, the psalmist. One of my favorite stories is when he fought Goliath. Uh, and it's not just because, I just think it's a fascinating story because, you know, David whooped Goliath. And then all the ladies start singing about David, you know, Saul has killed his thousands and David has killed his 10,000. In other words, David had a theme song in the Old Testament, y'all. I just think that's kind of cool. But one of the things that fascinates me is the revelation and the mindset that David walked in. David knew who he was because who he was connected to. So I want you to look at 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 26. Now, really, David was on a uh, Jimmy John's run. He was supposed to be taking sandwiches to his brothers. And, you know, his dad said, hey, go take something to eat. Take your brother some lunch. And as he's on his way to take his brother some lunch, he's, he's noticing that the armies of Israel are cowering uh, in front of Goliath. And so... Uh, his brother has a problem with it, like, you're so conceited, I don't know why you're here. But David makes this question, he says, he says, oh, makes a statement. David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? See, David was battle ready and empowered to win because he walked in this revelation. He knew who he was in connection to who God is. He said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Now, circumcision was a, a symbol of covenant. And so the children of Israel, uh, God gave the covenant to Abraham. And so uh, this covenant said that, hey, if you would cut the forest in your flesh, I would have this covenant with you. And so David is saying, listen, Goliath, it's not a man of covenant. We are people of covenant. God's covenant is not with Goliath. His covenant is with us. So how can he defy the armies of the living God? So David went out in faith because he knew who was with him. 
It wasn't the size of the giant that determined David's identity. It was the size of David's God. I think that we need to enlarge our image of who God is. You see, identity influences doing. When you know who you are, it changes your behavior. It changes what you walk in. It changes how you see things. In fact, uh, the former Secretary of State, General Colin Powell, would say when he was growing up, his family would tell him, when you leave this house, don't shame our name. You are a Powell. Live up to who you are. Hmm. You see, we live in a uh, in a do-to-be culture, but biblical culture is be and do. And Paul is commanding us to live into who we are in Christ. I'll tell you, one of the ways that this flushes out for me is uh, Shanae and I have been married almost 21 years in August. Whoop, whoop! One man said it like this, she still got it and I still want it. And uh, that's all right. (laughs) All right. But let me just tell you something. Uh, In my family lineage, in my family history, I have never seen in my family a healthy representation of marriage. And I don't say this to shame my family. I'm just saying this is what it is. You know, my parents divorced. My uncles and aunts on both sides divorced. My grandmothers both left their husbands. I've never met a grandfather. Well, I've met one, but I don't know him. Never had, I never saw a healthy representation of marriage in my family. And so then that raises a question. When hardship shows up, what identity will I live into? When it gets hard and it's not easy, will I say, you know what? Well, it never works out in my family. I'm out. Or will I decide to say, listen, my identity is in Christ. And so I'm going to learn marriage from Christ. I'm going to learn how to be a husband from Christ. If you can't say amen, say ouch. Amen. We have to look unto Jesus. Our identity is in Christ, and we need to allow that to inform every area of our life. You see, we can allow our past to shape our identity, we can allow, or we can allow Christ to shape our identity. We can let what has happened to us or what has hurt us or where we failed or how the enemy has had a foothold in generations in our families to inform us or we can look unto Christ. And Paul climaxes this moment. I'll call it, this is who you are in Christ's message. And he gives us three urgent commands so that we can be battle ready and empowered 
to win. He says, be strong, put on, and stand. The first urgent command to be battle-ready and empowered to win is be strong. Verse 10, he says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. I think the uh, King James says, uh, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. See, Paul understands that there are going to be some opposition that you're going to face. There are going to be some enemies that are going to tell you that you are not able to experience all that God has purchased for you. Enemies that will tell you that you are less than what God says you are. And like any good coach, Paul says, be strong in the Lord. Another way of saying that is to be continually strengthened in the Lord or be continually empowered in the Lord. Be continually continually empowered or be continually uh, filled with his mighty power. Another way of translating this, this is the, you know, y'all have heard the NSV, the Northlet Shumake translation. What? Go to your bookstores, you'll find it there. I'm just kidding. Let me just slow down just a little bit. See, there are two words there that we need to un- unravel a little bit. Or uh, It's the word power is uh, kratos. It means ruling power. And might is ikus, endowed power. So Paul is literally saying, continually be in the Lord empowered by the ruling power you were endowed with. In other words, you have been endowed with ruling power. So listen, take that identity on that you, that God has given you or he's funded you. He's furnished you with ruling power. Now, if you really want to, you know, go back to its Genesis, it's actually in Genesis when God says, let them have dominion over the earth, that God gave us ruling power. I know that's hard for some of us to believe, but it's Bible. He says, be strong in the Lord. And notice, this is an imperative. It's a command. He's saying, always strengthen your connection with God and be empowered. So when we, you strengthen your relationship with Jesus, what happens? You're empowered. When you stay connected with the Father, what happens? You're empowered. So Paul is encouraging us continually. It's in the present tense. Always be strengthened in the Lord and in his mighty power. The second urgent command to be battle-ready and empowered to win is put on. Put on the whole armor of God. Verse 11, put on the, whole, the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's scheme. So Paul says, listen, if you want to know how to win, if you want to be battle-ready, you need to suit up. Now, notice some, the armor belongs to God, and it's given by God. So, in other words, when we put on the full armor of God, really, a really easy way of saying that is just put on Christ. 
How many know that your new self is Christ? The new you is Christ. And what Paul is admonishing us, listen, you're going to face some opposition, but you don't face the opposition in your own strength. You get strengthened in the Lord, and then you, rep, you show up as Christ. You put on God's armor. Is that okay? See, we fight our fights as believers in his name and with his power. The third urgent command to be battle ready and empowered to win is to stand. These are three imperatives that Paul has saying uh, in Ephesians chapter 6, verse, verses 10 through 18. Uh, 18. Uh, stand. Now, to stand means to hold your ground. Don't let the enemy push you back. Don't, get put, don't be pushed over by the enemy. Don't let him railroad you. Now, how do you do that? Be strong in the Lord and put on the whole armor of God. See, what happens is that we end up getting our, our, our behinds kicked because we show up in the fight in our flesh. We show up in the fight unarmed, with the wrong mindset, using our own strength, and then we go back, oh Lord, what happened? Why did you? I heard Martin Sanders say it like this, put the armor on and don't take it off. To stand means to hold your ground. There will be opposition, but hold fast. The ground has already been won. In fact, let me just say this. If you have gained ground in a certain area of your life, don't let the enemy come back in and take it back. Know who you are in Jesus. Know that he's equipped you. Everything that you need, he's given you. You know, one of the, the confessions that I have when I face things that I don't know what to do with is I say, I am well equipped for every good work. I may find a problem like, man, what are we going to do about that? Well, I'm well equipped for every good work. Jesus, help a brother out. Say, I don't know about you. I need help. There are some things that I face that I don't know how to handle them. And so I need God to download to me and to empower me and equip me for the work that he's called me to do. See, it's a necessity that we are strong in the Lord and that we put on the full armor of God and stand firm. So you have to ask the question, why is there so much urgency? Why is Paul, you know, it's an urgent command. Be strong, put on the full armor of God, and stand firm. It's urgency. Why? Because there's opposition. I'm not home. That's probably my phone. See, I normally keep my ringer off, but I turned it on last night because I'm like, I need to wake up. Right? You're in meetings, you want them to vibrate. I was like, I was up too late. Let me put this alarm on and put it up loud. 
But there's opposition. And, and now you have to notice something. Notice where Paul says our opposition is. He says, put on the full armor of God so that you may that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Now, listen here. The enemy has plans. He has tactics and he has strategies. And Paul says that you need to put the full armor of God because, you, you know what, you need to be able to withstand the enemy's tactics. Christ has plans for you and so does the devil. That's why Jesus said in John chapter 10, the thief only comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. So we don't want to be ignorant of the way that the enemy schemes. Now, I want to, I want to say something real quick before I continue that verse is I want to make sure that we don't get enamored with the devil. You know, people go from either one extreme to the other. They, they're like, there's a devil in the baptismal pool. It started shaking. I cast that devil out that baptismal pool. Yeah, yeah, yeah maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. Or there are other people that just ignore the enemy altogether. And so we shouldn't be enamored with the enemy, but we shouldn't ignore him either. Because he has strategy against us, and we just simply know, need to know what it is. Okay. Verse 12. He says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Now notice, he said our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Now in the previous chapter, he began to talk about marriage. He talked about boss-employee relationships or masters and slave relationships. And listen, if you're having a hard time in marriage, if you're having a hard time at work, you need to know that your battle is not in the flesh. Your husband and your wife is not your enemy. Okay, I'm going to say that again because y'all are tripping. Your husband or your wife, they're not your enemy. Your boss is not your enemy. Your employees are not your enemy. So don't wage war there. He says the real enemy, the real struggle is against rulers, against authorities, against powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Let me just say this. There are influencers in top positions in the world that have evil agendas. And we need to know that that's where our warfare is. Here's a way of saying it. You know, as a father, there are days I'm like, if you don't go back in the house and put something else on, I'm just going to go Jackie Chan on you. Don't come out of my house looking like that. But listen, my war is really not with my daughter. I just have to give her order. My war is with the agenda that's in the world that are telling young ladies that the new look is stripper wear. I said it, but it's, it's true. 
You can't buy a pair of jeans for little kids no more. I'm like, what? I'm like, baby, it's time for us to make some clothes. So listen, our fight is not in this realm. So if you're going to have an attitude with somebody, have an attitude with the enemy. Secondly, uh, our, our war is not here and, uh, or, or with these people. Uh, notice where the fight is happening. It's in heavenly places or in heavenly realms. That's why it's important that we recognize who we are wrestling and where we are wrestling. See, in a few chapters uh, before Paul is making this case of who we are in Christ, because Paul knows what we are facing. See, uh, I say it like this. Uh, if you don't know who you are, someone will tell you who you are, and you'll become what they want you to be. And sometimes that someone is a person. Other times it's a circumstance personifying itself and beginning to speak, telling you that you are not victorious or you are not above. And this is why Paul is saying your wrestle is not in the flesh and blood. It's in another realm. And if you're feeling like you're wrestling at home, if you feel like you're wrestling at work, you feel like you're wrestling with your kids, you feel like uh, there's wrestling all around you, don't lose focus. This realm is not the realm of the fight. The realm of the fight is in the spirit. We are not fighting people. Sometimes we have misplaced aggressions. We think people are our enemy. The real battle is the battle in the heavenlies. Now, if we back up a little bit, we see that there's a lot going on in the heavenlies. And I'm going to be done. You give me about five, seven minutes. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 says, We are blessed in Christ with every spiritual blessing. Where? In heavenly places. Ephesians 1, 21 says, Christ is seated at the right hand in heavenly places, far above all rule, authority, and power, and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the one to come. Ephesians 2, 6. And he raises up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 3.10, rulers and authorities in heavenly places where we are today. Ephesians 6.12, against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. So there's a lot going on in the heavenlies. But what we must remember is what we read earlier, that Christ is seated far above those spiritual forces of evil is still true. Even though it seems like that, uh, you know, in some cases that we are losing ground, you need to know that ultimately we win. A wound does not determine who wins. A failure does not determine if you've won. When you take your identity off of yourself and in Christ, you are victorious. Now, what you need to know is the enemy is going to oppose us, and he's going to shoot arrows at us. But Paul says we can distinguish every dart or arrow with the shield of faith. 
And this shield is a body shield. It covers everything. So how do you handle when the enemy shoots you a dart and says that you're nobody? Enemy tells you never get a job. What you do is you start walking the revelation of a truth. You take up the shield of faith. For you're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. And I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. When you're facing hardship, you're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. And I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. And you begin to confess who he is. And know that who he is is connected to who you are. And it doesn't matter the enemy. Because none can compare. He sits alone in power and in might. So how do we engage in this spiritual battle? We engage in the same way we are empowered by the Spirit. Verse 17, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So when you, listen, notice the shield is for defense, but the sword is offensive. And it's the kind of short sword that it is. It cuts both ways, a pointy, uh, sharp point. How many you know that the Bible says the word of the Lord is quick and active? It's powerful. A devil-edged sword. Able to separate what a spirit and what a soul. So when the enemy comes knocking at your door, you take up that shield and you take up that sword. To the sword that he says is the word of God. It's not simply, you know, just an utterance. The, word, the Greek word is rhema, uh, like the spoken word. But what Paul is really referring to here is he refer, he's referring to the gospel. He's referring to the message of the cross. He's referring to the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. See, that simply means no matter what you're facing, his love is on you and has nothing to do with who you are. It has everything to do with who He is. He loves you not because of who you are. He loves you because He chose to set His affection on you. Verse 18, He says, pray in the Spirit. How do you engage? you get a prayer life. You invade heaven from earth with your prayers. 
all kinds of prayers and requests. He says, with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying. Keep on praying for all the saints. Pray for your brothers and sisters in Christ. Pray for Doug while he's over in Israel. Pray, 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 pray. See, I believe that if we would simply pray, it would change the trajectory, not only our own lives, but the life of this church. If we would pray, it would change our city. Isn't that not what Solomon said? If my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray, turning from their wicked ways, seek my face, then will I hear from heaven, then will I heal their land. God, heal our land. That's why next week we're going to start a new series called The Exchange. Conversations that actually change everything. It's a series on prayer. We want to invite God in the midst of what's going on in our lives. So would you stand with me? I just want to pray that we each would be empowered by the Spirit. If you're desperate for him, just tell him, Lord, I need you. If you know you need him out there, just tell him, Lord, I need you. And so, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, God, I pray for my brothers and sisters. Pray for myself. Would you empower us? Would you refill us? Would you pour your spirit out upon us? God, would you rain down over us? Oh, good, good Father. We are your sons and daughters. And you said that you wouldn't withhold one good thing from your children. And so, Father, right now, we receive your empowerment. We receive your refreshing. In Jesus' name. Listen, if you want...